folks. Welcome back to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast with Wayne and Patrick coming to you with some NFL football. Um, we have been talking a lot about the Bears recently, especially with uh, that number one pick in their hands. Uh, Justin Fields still having to kind of decide, you know, what's his future as a Bear. Uh, we're also looking at the offseason and free agency signings and what could come of that in March. So um, tonight we're going to take this in a little bit of a different direction, still sticking on NFL still sticking on you know the draft and those types of themes but tonight we're going to go through the entire first round playing general manager uh i'm going to take all of the odd picks so anything one through 31 wayne's going to just counter me from two to 32 in the evens and we're just going to go down the line and pick players uh for each one of these teams uh there could be you know mock trades thrown on the board there could be all sorts of craziness uh you know we're going to play off each other as we go and uh, just see where it takes us. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to kick this one off for the uh, 2024 NFL Draft. The number one pick goes to the Chicago Bears, our Chicago Bears. Um, it's no secret how we feel about them. If you want to know where we stand, go to our YouTube account. Check out all the videos we've been making lately on on what we think the Bears should do at this pick. But no explanation really needed. I think Caleb Williams is the pick here. Um, there's a ton of trade scenarios that could take place in terms of, uh, you know, getting that godfather offer of sorts. But I mean, honestly, we just watched the Super Bowl. You see what a guy like Patrick Mahomes can do for your team. Um, you know, even a year where, you know, folks are kind of counting them out or, you know, play pretty sloppy, you know, here and there throughout the year. But, you know, consistently, this is the second year in a row they've taken down the most complete team from Philadelphia to San Francisco. So, you know, you got Caleb Williams. You've got a pretty decent defense right now. You've got some years ahead. You know, go ahead and get that guy who you think could be a generational quarterback and just don't look back at this point. Yeah, and there's there's just so much more momentum now. I think I think a lot of Bears fans are kind of just owning up to it a little bit more so of. They're like, okay, let's let's just settle in with this. Just figure it out. Okay, we get Caleb Williams. Now what? You know, what, who do we get with the ninth pick? What free agents are out there, right? And then who who do we trade? Uh, who's our trade partner for Justin Fields? I, I think that's all kind of more so the talk. At least that's what's you know what I'm seeing on on the you know the web on the webs out there. So uh, it just seems like that's more so. It's become like first denial, now acceptance, right? I think that's kind of where Bears fans are now. We're just gonna kind of ride with it and and go that way. Um, but at the same time, yeah, there's always going to be the resistance. There's always going to be the people kind of fighting it there. But I think the idea for me is, I, I definitely agree. I think now more so of just because of what the bears will do. I think with Ryan Poles, this is the best thing for him. I think in my opinion, just cause it resets that quarterback clock. It puts more time on the clock for Ryan Poles to kind of work his magic there. And, you know, it's kind of unfortunate, I guess, from the Justin Fields perspective. A lot of people still believe in him. So he still believe he didn't get the right amount of help from coaching, play calling to overall talent around him. But at the end of the day, this is business. And I think that's that's where it kind of kills, I think, for a lot of Bears fans. But yeah, I agree. I think, you know, Caleb Williams, I think he's the, the selection here for sure. Sounds good. Um, number two. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I last on the last episode I talked a lot about uh Jaden Daniels a little bit here. But I'm gonna go with Drake May. I think, you know, in this scenario, I was kind of looking at the team uh for the the Washington Commanders, you know, 
from the coaching perspective, from also the offensive coordinator, you know, uh, Dan, Dan, I almost said Dan Campbell, but uh, Dan Quinn, right? His, his quarterback in Atlanta when he was a head coach over there was Matt Ryan. I think maybe he feels a little bit more comfort in that case for more of a pocket passer or a quarterback with an arm. And I also think, you know, I'm looking at Cliff Kingsbury and the kind of talent that he operated there at the quarterback position. I think he wants somebody that can throw a little bit more in the middle of the field who he can coach the, the raw talent that the person has and kind of just mold the person uh, to be the best quarterback that he possibly can be. Uh, which So that means I'm going to go with Drake May. Uh, Drake May can zip the ball, really gun it. Uh, I think sometimes to a fall can play hero ball on occasion, but you kind of want that out of a quarterback though. You kind of want a quarterback that you can, Hey, their highs are highs, but Hey, let's, let's play it safe here. I think that's much easier to coach. And I think you know, with Cliff Kingsbury, he has a, he has a really good track record. Um, also one thing to note, Jaden Daniels is 23 years old. Drake may is 21. I know sometimes a lot of people are like, you know, kind of overplay that a little bit, but it just shows that Drake may has a lot more growth ahead of him and he's you know his last season i think at uh, north carolina you know a lot of people want to talk down on that a little bit but he his the amount of talent that he was around him just dissipated in the draft you know josh downs i think was one name the wide out position that he didn't have offensive line turnover things like that happened and occurred so i think now you know uh with the uh, going into a situation where he has more talent around him. I think it, it can be a bright spot uh, for Drake May. Yeah, um, actually, in that slot for number two, I was thinking Jaden Daniels might be the pick. I feel like, you know, just in terms of his ability to improvise, uh, the fact that they don't have a really great offensive line um, may allow a guy with his type of skill set to kind of, you know, uh, create and get out of the pocket and figure out what to do on the fly. It was kind of like what Sam Howell was trying to do last year, uh, failed, you know, more toward the second half of the year. Um, but in the same sense, it's, uh, you know, just, just based on the structure of the team right now, they might want a guy who's got the ability to make plays. And, uh, you know, Drake May, I think, has a bright future head, great arm. Um, honestly, he was going to be my pick at number three. Uh, <laughs> But uh, it's just the way I see it. I don't think there's a huge gap between the quarterbacks. They're very different. But in a lot of ways, like I think evaluators are kind of, you know, flipping a coin on on who to select in, in both those slots. But now that he has fallen to me, um, you know, I'll obviously take Jaden Daniels, I think, you know, for Gerard Mayo, first year coach, uh, needing a quarterback pretty badly, maybe wanting to bust out of the mold of like, you know, the Bailey Zappi types, the Mac Jones types, you know, maybe want somebody who could be, you know, a little bit more athletic, somebody who can, you know, obviously do a lot with, with very little behind him. I feel like New England's at a position right now where they need much more of a team uh, surrounding Jaden Daniels uh, now and going forward. Um, it's the reason why there's been a lot of trade talks about, you know, the Patriots possibly, you know, taking on a Bears offer of uh, Justin Fields in the number nine for the three, or, you know, maybe they're just trading down for as much capital as possible to just figure out you know, what they have to kind of do next. But, um, you know, I, I don't think there's a bad route to take here. When you talk about Kingsbury, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you'll get Mahomes, Murray, other guys. I feel like, yeah, May's kind of that guy who, you know, probably best fits a, a Kingsbury system or, you know, how he wants to coach up a quarterback. But, um, yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. And uh looks like we have three quarterbacks coming down on those first three picks. 
Yeah, and you know, I've been trying to figure out ways out of this, but you know, I look at some of these teams. There, there definitely seems like there could be a team that does, you know, trade back. Whether it is the Washington Commanders or you know, if if the New England Patriots want to get out of that, like you know, that could be something. But at the end of the day, they do need a quarterback, uh, especially with a new head coach, new offensive coordinator with with a Van Pelt. Um, I do think that Van Pelt, he he. I think actually Jaden Daniels is maybe he fits better for Van Pelt. I think Van Pelt, what I saw from what he was able to do with the Browns, he was, he just adapted to them. He just, he, you know, we saw that they had like four different starting quarterbacks this season with the Browns. I know he wasn't really the play caller, but he definitely was more of the schemer and kind of making sure that um, the quarterbacks have the right uh, plays that, you know, in front of them and, 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 and the designs as well. So, you know, he had uh, obviously Deshaun Watson, but, all the way to Joe Flacco, to DTR, to uh, uh, was PJ Walker as well. He was able to mold the offense to their skill sets yeah. and strengths. And mm-hmm. I definitely think that's what you need for an offensive coordinator. So for me, part of it is I kind of want to see like the mi- the mixing and matching of the quarterbacks a little bit more so of. And I think this pairing makes more sense. I But yeah, again, you know, Jaden Daniels, I think Cliff Kingsbury, he can get something out of J- Jaden Daniels for sure, though. For sure. Um, what do, what are you doing at number four? Oh yeah, so for four, uh, I mean, how about this, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, you got to take Marvin Harrison Jr. if he falls here. Like, I don't see him uh, getting past the Arizona Cardinals here whatsoever. Uh, Cardinals, you know, I think with Kyler Murray, they need they just need more talent around Kyler Murray. I think you know it seems like they're going to at least have him for at least a couple of years until the duration of his contract, see how that turns out. Uh, but yeah, when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. here, it's like, you got to take him, pair him up. Don't overthink it. I feel like this is match made in heaven. You know, I think Gannon, the head coach over there, he's the defensive minded coach. There really isn't like a defensive talent that just stands out like a Miles Garrett at this point. So go with Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, he's the most sure thing possibly in this draft and really just don't overthink it, you know? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I'm in the same camp as you. That's who I had slotted in at number four as well. I mean, they're going to need to replace Marquise Brown if he doesn't stay there anyway. They've got a ton of needs in Arizona, but like you're saying, I think the the top nine from what I'm hearing in this draft are probably all going to be offensive players just in terms of ability and, and such. So, I mean, this is pretty much a no-brainer uh, there. Um, at number five, um, I've got the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, first year, Jim Harbaugh, new head coach. Um, looking around the roster, looking at a lot of mock drafts, listening to what analysts are saying. I think there are obviously two wide receivers and a tight end that, you know, everybody is salivating over um, with, you know, Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, and Brock Bowers. Um, I think all three would be fine choices here. Um, but when I look at the makeup of the Chargers, where they currently stand, um, you know, they got Keenan Allen, they got Josh Palmer. They got Mike Williams. They've got, you know, uh, Quinton Johnson, who they drafted last year in the first round. Uh, Gerald Everett's walking as a tight end, but the same sense they've got Donald Parham, who's had, you know, a few good games last year as well. It's like, for me, is is getting another pass catcher the thing that's really holding, you know, Justin Herbert back from, you know, taking this team, you know, over the top. Um, And and to me, the answer is really no. Um, The offensive line is an absolute joke. Um, The defense as well has got a lot of holes. I think like you were saying at four, I didn't see any defenders that really, you know, fit the bill here at number five. 
So, I mean, overall, I think with Harbaugh and the way that, you know, he likes to play football. I mean, he's going to, he's going to want to protect his top asset. He's going to want to probably establish run as well. And, uh, you know, for me, you've got Rashawn Slater over on the left-hand side as your tackle. He's kind of your franchise guy. You know, why not go ahead and fortify that line again with another, you know, high upside tackle in Joe Alt from Notre Dame. I feel like it's the safer of all choices, I think. I mean, again, people like to look at the video game type numbers that, you know, one of those, you know, uh, fast catching threats could get with a guy like Justin Herbert. But in the same sense, we got to keep, you know, Justin upright. I think if you're wanting to build kind of that foundation in that first year as a coach, you want some of those bigger building blocks on the O-line or the D-line. So um, I just want to take the top guy available in Joe Alt. And uh, yeah, that's my choice. Yeah, I mean, I like the Joe Alt selection. Uh, I think he can fit the right tackle for sure. Um, You know, I was contemplating the Brock Bowers selection as well. You know, we do know that Harbaugh likes to utilize tight ends. He Mm -hmm. utilized Vernon Davis over there, you know, when he was at San Francisco. So, uh, you know, that certainly is a possibility. But in terms of value, in terms of sure impact, and, you know, with the existing talent that you just mentioned that they do have, like solidifying that offensive line really just makes sense for, you know, to protect your franchise quarterback there in Justin Herbert. So I would, you know, if I were them, I would, I would agree with you there. It just had, there's just that feeling that he might go with a Brock Bowers route, but yeah, I think overall the best selection in this case for him, for Herbert, for Harbaugh and all that would be all, but so I, he's definitely for me, uh tackle number one. So it's like, yeah, you got him there. You can put him at left tackle, but if, you know, if he's a right tackle, he's going to be your best right tackle probably, you know, for the next 10 years. So definitely agree with that. Um, and I guess with that, I can move on to the Giants here at six. Man, you know, without with the quarterbacks uh, that, that are, you know, we're on the board that are now off the board here, uh, you got to think, okay, what player can make an impact? Or what player also makes the most sense? I think the idea from the Giants and what I've saw, what I've seen this previous season is their O-line just sucks. Like, it's so bad. And as much as I want to, you know, take maybe some of these wideouts here that are very highly touted, uh, you know, I have to. Like, I was looking at all the fan boards and all the forums for the Giants, actually, to just get a sense of where they, where they, where they want to go. And uh, hey, you know, you got to give the people what they want here. So uh, I'm going to take Oufushanu here uh, out of Penn State. You know, one of the more, I guess, gifted type of tackles in this draft. He's battled some injuries here and there, but certainly has a lot of upside, a lot of upside. So, you know, I think for him, it's like, all okay, right, you know, maybe he can play right tackle uh, opposite of Andrew Thomas. You know, hey, look, right tackle now is becoming more of a staple in uh in nfl teams you know almost as important just as or just as important as the left tackle just how edge rushers and defensive linemen are kind of attacking quarterbacks these days so yeah why not just get let's get Fashano here solidify the o-line um worst case he moves inside and you get a really good guard um but yeah i think Fashano makes sense here for the giants Yeah, I'm totally with you. Uh, funny enough, I've got Olufushanu at number six as well. I was thinking the same way um, about the Giants as I was with the Chargers. I mean, you, unless they make some sort of trade to get into that top three, if they're really going to move on from Daniel Jones, I mean, you got to do what you can to protect the guy. Um, 
Last year, they had uh, allowed the most sacks for any team. Um, they, they gave up 85 sacks, and the next highest team gave up 65, and then it rolled down from there. And it's just like that, that margin, that gap just shows like how you know, incompetent, how, how far you know, this team fell last year compared to the year before. And yeah, I mean, it starts up front. So um, I'm totally with you. I mean, some folks might call it a reach. I still feel like, you know, with Fashanu, he's he's one of those top nine. I feel like in the, you know, the first nine slots of the draft, he's probably the second or third or or possibly the first tackle off the board in most people's, you know, mock drafts as well. So, uh, no, I think that's a smart choice. And, um, you know, as long as you have Daniel Jones under center, I think you got to protect him first before you go out and, you know, maybe invest in that top tier weapon. I mean, you know, they got Jalen Hyatt last year. Um, they've got some veterans there. It's just like, I don't know. They've, they've got so many needs that they've got to kind of solve first before they, you know, start going for, you know, more of these uh, accessory or ancillary type parts. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent agree. But yeah, it would be nice to see some of those wideouts go there, but yeah, they just have so many needs. I think on the offensive line, it just makes sense. So um, but yeah, who do you got for the Tennessee Titans at seven? At number seven, uh, I'm going to take Rome Adunze uh, out of Washington. I mean, a 6'4 wide receiver. I think pairing him up with DeAndre Hopkins. If you can get anything else out of Traylon Burks, I think that's important. Um, I think for Will Levis, he's going to need some weapons that he can truly rely on as being some of his you know, top guys. I know Hopkins won't be there forever. Um, so I think this will be Rome's team you know, in a couple of years. But I think he has a very strong showing, you know, coming out in that first year. I went back and forth between him and neighbors. I just feel like, you know, both guys are kind of in that same stratosphere. I just figure, you know, would you rather have like an AJ Brown type or would you rather go for the DJ Moore uh, type wide receiver in in neighbors? And I just feel like you're going to want that big target, that big threat. I think pairing them, especially with Hopkins in that first year, um, they might get a lot, you know, out of each other. And I think Levis, you know, will help you know, him take that next step. I, I honestly would have considered an offensive lineman as well here uh, for Tennessee. I think they need to, you know, better protect Levis, but with Fashanu and Ald off the board, you know, at five and six, uh, for me, it was just, that's the next best um, selection that they can take. And, and they're definitely needy uh, as far as wide receivers go. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that direction. Uh, yeah. Offensive lineman definitely would be the preference, but when you got Roma Dunze out there, when you got Malik Neighbors out there, like you feel like you have to take one if both those offensive linemen are are, at, are are off the board there. So it totally makes sense. Just arm Will Levis. You can always you know address the offensive line via free agency since you you do have that rookie contract now. So uh, I, I think it totally makes sense to go that route. So definitely agree with you on on that selection there. Um, and then I guess moving on to the eighth pick with the Atlanta Falcons, you know, uh, there's a lot of questions to think about the quarterback and, and all that, but, you know, so is, with the three quarterbacks kind of taken off the board here, you know, is, I, I really don't see them going that route. So obviously for me, you know, I think they need an edge rusher. I think they're really kind of desperate for an edge rusher for that defense at the moment. Um, you know, they they do have was it Raheem Morris now as the head coach so I think he wants to put a little bit more of a uh, his his imprint on that defense and that, on that team so I'm gonna take Dallas Turner edge rusher uh, I think that totally makes sense for them fits the bill uh, physical specimen and I think that defense just improves and you know hopefully they can figure out the offensive side of the ball but 
at the same time, like that the defense has some age on it there with Clays Campbell, obviously. So getting that edge rusher, I think could make a difference for them and you know, build, building off of that. Yeah, I'm with you too. I think, uh, honestly, one of my dark horses for, you know, off season signings here, um, as far as quarterbacks go for Kirk cousins, I think getting, you know, to Atlanta kind of teaming up with Raheem Morris, they both spent time together in Washington at the start of Kirk's career. Um, they had three seasons there. Um, they, they may have a good report there. They may have obviously a lot of familiarity with one another, but when I look at the best destinations for Kirk Cousins right now, you know, with where the Vikings stand in that NFC North, you've got the Bears, you know, reloading. Detroit obviously having a great year as well as Green Bay. It's like they may want to take some time off. So with Atlanta, you know, you got that QB vacancy there. They talked a lot about an extra wide receiver, but like you're saying, like that that kind of edge talent is getting older. It's it's not as explosive and bringing like the top guy off the board to be your first edge um, for the team. Seems like a you know really smart choice for them. Yeah, for sure. Who do you got at number nine for our Chicago Bears? Man, it's a dream come true. I mean, I honestly didn't slate it out you know this way on purpose. Um, me and you had the same eight going off the board. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe no, no. I mean, almost almost perfectly. Maybe maybe seven is a little bit different on your board, but. You know, with the choice of wide receiver between Odunze or Neighbors, uh, in my draft, Malik Neighbors just fell to me at nine. Um, I'm taking him. I mean, for us, it's looking at edge, you know, talent up at the top of the board or it's wide receiver talent. I feel like with what's available in free agency at the price tags that they'll probably command, um, I just don't think it's the smart play. I mean, it sounds like Bears are even in on Danielle Hunter right now as a, as a possible, you know, edge rusher for us in free agency. So, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, having that wide receiver choice there just becomes, you know, pretty obvious and clear. And uh, yeah, I mean, if we could pair, obviously, Malik Neighbors with DJ Moore, Caleb Williams in his first year, I think there's a lot of exciting times to come for Chicago with that with that nucleus there. And uh, yeah, it's an easy choice for me at nine. Yeah, I love me some Malik Neighbors. Uh, you know, I honestly would be happy with either of them, but if we get Malik Neighbors, the Yak God is what his nickname is, just because when he gets the ball in open space, he just goes. And it's incredible to see him in, in open space like that. And who better to be a teammate and kind of teach him the ways a little bit um, than DJ Moore, who is in and of himself his own Yak God, basically. So um, I would love to see this pairing. I think it, it could work wonders. It could definitely make whoever is that quarterback, you know, Caleb Williams probably right now, right? But uh, it could definitely help Caleb Williams uh, with his first year, kind of just figuring out who to pass to and getting more weapons out there. So I, I definitely love that pick. Moving on to uh, the 10th pick, we got the Jets here. Man, the Jets, I think they need, you know, with the those two wideouts gone there, I think they go offensive line. So I'm going to take... Uh, I'm going to take J.C. Latham from Alabama. I think he makes the most sense, plays the right tackle position. You know, they can figure out whoever plays the left tackle. Uh, I think they could potentially get maybe a free agent or something like that uh, as they're kind of more so second wide receiver to kind of you know, uh, spell Garrett Wilson a little bit there. He seems to be a little bit more of the only wide receiver talent that they have at the moment. I know there's Randall Cobb as well, but they definitely need more wide receiver talent. That being said, it's a deep wide receiver draft. so. Uh, they could probably get one. I think they have a third-round pick. So I'm going to go J.C. Latham, Alabama. 
uh, pretty hard nose uh, right tackle from Alabama. So I think he kind of just makes sense. Got to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy and him upright because that definitely ruined the season for them uh, this previous year. So makes sense for me. For sure. I mean, with the Jets giving up the fourth most sacks uh, last year, I, I kind of saw the same needs there. Uh, Mekhi Becton is a free agent, and they also don't have a second round pick. So it's like, uh, what's your biggest need? You know, Aaron Rodgers coming back from an Achilles uh, last year was an absolute nightmare for that offense. And uh, yeah, like you're saying, I think getting that protection is important. I had Talese Fuaga going up there at number 10, but in the same sense, I mean, him and JC Latham, at least on my board, weren't very uh, far apart. Um, so no, mm -hmm. I think it's a smart choice and, uh, you know, jets get more protection there. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. That was my second choice. So, uh, it was, I think either one's going to be a good one. So, but yeah, it's just a matter of, uh, what their preference is. So, but who do you got at 11 for the Vikings? Yeah. Um, so this is where the controversy will probably start, uh, between our boards. Uh, perhaps, I don't know. Um, but, at number 11, um, like I said, free agency starts before this draft. I really think Minnesota is, you know, capable of resigning Kirk Cousins. I think they're capable. Um, if I am Kirk Cousins, if I don't have that just hometown feel or, you know, feel like I have, you know, some unfinished business that I want to stay in Minnesota for, I, I would probably look at Atlanta. I mean, I think it's a division that's going to be easier to win. You walk in, you get Drake London, Kyle Pitts, others, uh, obviously Bijan Robinson. There's a ton of weapons that Kirk Cousins can play with, and that defense was really good last year for Atlanta. Um, so I think he's gone in my situation. And for Kevin O'Connell, um, he doesn't have a lot of you know reserves there at quarterback, but I think the one thing he does have is time. And I think, you know, at this point, I think him and uh, Questy will look at the board and kind of say, okay, who can be our quarterback of the future? Um, you know, we may have some time here to develop. We may have some time here to like let the NFC North, uh, you know, go head to head, knock each other out. And maybe in a couple of years, you know, we can be back in that mix, hopefully sooner. Um, just knowing what we know about, <laughs> you know, quarterback prospects and what we talked about recently, I think the one guy who's getting the most helium at this point for me is JJ McCarthy. I think Kevin O'Connell would love to have, you know, a guy like that to build, to mold, um, to have that time to like really, you know, nurture in a lot of ways and do it, you know, himself. Um, and, you know, I don't think JJ McCarthy is going to fall too much further if he does pass Minnesota, but I just see, you know, this being kind of his project, a guy he looks at with upside, the winning capability, um, you know, and I think, I think this would be a great fit for McCarthy as well. I mean, just to kind of pair up with an offensive mastermind, like, you know, Kevin O'Connell and, um, you know, give it some time. So maybe it's Nick Mullins, maybe, you know, they bring back Josh Dobbs, maybe it's, you know, somebody else kind of taking the reins to start off the year for Minnesota. But you now I think with what's on the board and with what Minnesota's looking at, I mean, with the potential of Daniel Hunter leaving and others, I mean, I just feel like this is a team that, you know, they may end up signing Justin Jefferson to a long-term extension, but they, they feel far away from being competitive when you look at what else is going on in the FC North. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is what you talk about, kind of restarting the quarterback clock in a way, right? So, you know, we can do that, then you can sign free agents, you can build up more of a roster through free agency, as well as the draft. So this certainly is where kind of letting go, thanks for the memories of Kirk Cousins and moving on from there, 
sad to see it, but it, it totally makes sense. I do like your call out for Kirk Cousins to go to the Falcons. I think that you know, that kind of makes sense in a way. Uh, just the team, the talent that's around them. Like there's a lot of young talent, and what goes well with young talent is obviously just a veteran quarterback that can kind of be that that stable presence, calming presence that has seen every single defense, knows what to do there. And I think Kirk Cousins, he kind of fits that mold, you know, him and then being out with like, uh, you know, all the talent that they have, Bijan, Drake, Kyle Pitts, et cetera, Jonu Smith, like all those players like would, would definitely be uh, better players overall with a Kirk Cousins there. So, but yeah, you know, to your point, this could make sense from uh, Kevin O'Connell's standpoint of just, hey, hey, uh, we need to get a little bit younger at the quarterback position. Uh, Justin Jefferson, we need to think about him re-signing him and then also re-signing our defensive talent too uh Danielle Hunter like he's he's gonna be he's a free agent and he's probably the you know what he's a premier edge rusher there and so all these things are going to be costing money capital that you know do the Minnesota Vikings have that and have the ability to pay all those guys and then also pay uh you know Kirk Cousins 45 plus million dollars or something like that hard to say so uh I could definitely see something like that. I think I chose to do go a different route, but uh, I would not be surprised. This definitely <laughs> is where I think the NFL draft uh, for 2024 gets a little bit interesting because, yeah, there's a lot of questionable things that are happening at the quarterback position for these teams. Yeah, just out of curiosity, what would you do there? Oh, I did get uh, – I got Tyrion Arnold, uh, you know, top cornerback in this draft mm-hmm. physical. Very physical. I think he can make sense, you know, going over there with Brian Flores' defense, proving that the secondary was kind of the issue more so, I feel like. So adding him in there, solidifying that, you know, maybe going one more go around with Kirk Cousins or something like that could make sense for the Vikings, but uh, would not be surprised if something like this happens for the Vikings, though. Sounds good. Uh, Who do you have at 12? Well, let's talk about quarterbacks, bro. Uh, you know what? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a couple of things. To your point, like similar situation in a way. I feel like coaches these days, they're, they're coming in. They're trying to figure out who do we want to be pairing up as our quarterback. And it kind of like Sean Payton, I think, kind of showed his hand a little bit with Russell Wilson, you know, not playing him for the last, uh, I think, game or two there. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, what quarterback might fit the mold? of what Sean Payne wants more so of. Um, you know, t- you took J.J. McCarthy off the board, but he was actually the second quarterback I was possibly looking at for Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton wants somebody that can be maybe more the first, second read type of quarterback, and from there can make some imp- improvisations. I think one thing that kind of, I guess, pissed him off or put uh, Russell Wilson in his doghouse more so, just Russell Wilson kind of, just improvise, you know, after the first read or maybe even before the first read. So I think Sean Payton wants to call more of the shots. So he wants a young quarterback that can fit the mold there. And I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Oregon quarterback, Bo Nix. I think it makes sense from that perspective. Uh, 6'3", you know, two, about 215, 220 uh, pounds there. Uh, got a good arm, good mobility, but, you know, very much – uh, a first, second read type of person, high percentage. I think it was like 77% completion percentage. So I think that fits exactly kind of what Sean Payton wants, just a quarterback, 
makes the proper reads, makes the right decisions, uh, but can, you know, improvise here and there when, when uh, the play does break down eventually. So I'm going to go Bo Nix, 12th pick here for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I mean, I had the exact same player falling to Denver there, um, you know, based on J.J. McCarthy going, you know, one spot above. But I think Bo Nix is the right guy there, um, you know, needs to learn a little bit more of the structure of playing, you know, I guess within a within offense, you know, within the pocket, he kind of seemed to you know, have plays break down with him. That's kind of where he thrives. But, you know, with Peyton having all that experience with Breeze, he's going to want to kind of mold a guy like that to being, you know, the next Drew in a, in a lot of ways. But you know, like you're saying with, you know, looking at New York Jets, I mean, Denver doesn't have a second round pick. They've really got to just nail what they need as soon as they can. And so I can see definite reach potential here for Denver, uh, just going out, getting the quarterback, even if it's, you know, well past what they actually need. Or you could see a trade down situation where, you know, perhaps somebody else is moving a little bit up the board. They think they can still get Bo Nix later you know, in the first round, maybe the second, whatever it is. But uh, yeah, I definitely see them needing that quarterback, uh, you know, leaving this draft. Great. Who do you got for the Las Vegas Raiders at 13? Yeah, for me, again, the snowballs, the snowballs down the board. Uh, I have three quarterbacks going in a row here. Um, Again, this calls for a little bit of desperation. Um, If you're Las Vegas, you can't really wait on a quarterback falling to you at your next pick in the second round at this point. I mean, there are seemingly five guys that, you know, most want to get their hands on um, in those first couple of rounds. And to me, it's a team that, you know, is desperately needing, um, you know, that guy under center can be a leader, could be, you know, somebody somewhat of a change for them. Aiden O'Connell uh, was serviceable last year, especially, you know, in their run, um, you know, toward the end of the year with Antonio Pierce as their interim head coach. I think he wants to have a franchise quarterback himself. And I just don't know if the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be, you know, the first destination for Justin Fields, considering, you know, all the history him and Luke Getze had in Chicago. Uh, If that, if that pairing happened to, you know, come to be with some sort of trade, I would, I would have a serious laugh. I know Chicago would as well. Um, But I think they take Michael Penix here. Um, I think it's a guy who's, you know, really, I guess in tune with the game, I, I think he's got one of the higher IQs as a quarterback. Um, definitely has, you know, good arm strength. He can, you know, make a lot of throws. I think one thing they talked about was improving his touch. Um, he is a little bit older um, as a pass catcher compared to his peers, but I think that'll actually serve him well with Las Vegas. I think, you know, as a team, they're kind of on that fringe of being a 500 team. It might be nice to have a guy who's a little bit more experienced, a little bit older, uh, somebody who can come in and. You know, kind of feel like he can push for a starting job right away, especially when you've got another young quarterback uh, in, you know, Aiden O'Connell right there. So, um, you know, for me, I thought this was, again, a bit of a reach. I think a lot of drafts have, you know, Penix going somewhere in the second round. But, you know, if you're hungry for a quarterback, I think like in most drafts, like some craziness can happen. And I just see, you know, teams not sitting on their hands uh, to wait and go out and get their guy, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, look. I definitely see the Raiders being involved in potential trades. I think that's like one thing, you know, we, we see here, right? And I think I called this back with, with the Bears potentially, you know, hey, does J.J. McCarthy, does he crack the top 10 there with the Bears pick? Like that could be a trade partner potentially, you know, that we that the Bears might have in the future where we trade back and maybe, you know, we, we don't want one of those wide receivers. Maybe we want more of an edge rusher and then, 
maybe want to uh, pick a wide out more so in the second round. Um, that could be a certain scenario that Ryan Poles looks at. So, uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see something like this, you know, maybe happening. But I think just this just goes to show you kind of, you know, how maybe the quarterback situations, we'll see what happens with the free agency and you know, if there's any potential trades that happen uh, between now and the draft. But obviously, yeah, there's a lot of needs, I think, for quarterback. And in this in this area, yeah, there, there could be some reaching here. So uh, that being said, yeah, like you were mentioning, they do need a quarterback of some sort, whether yeah, it is Fields or <laughs> that would be hilarious if it is Getsy and Fields again uh, in Las Vegas. So, but I would love <laughs> to see Twitter uh, or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Uh, just respond and drill that that maneuver there. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess moving on here to the 14th pick, we got the New Orleans Saints on the clock. Uh, they need a tackle. They need they need a tackle. They need to keep their quarterback, you know, Derek Carr, healthy, uh, not banged up as much. And you know, I was looking at the who is available. I think you know you mentioned Fuaga. I'm going to take Fulaga here. I, I got him going to the Saints. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be, I think, between uh, J.C. Latham and Fulaga for both the Jets and the Saints. Just both teams need that right tackle, and both Fulaga and Latham kind of foot the bill there. Um, you know, Fulaga definitely feels like he could be a player that uh, just, you know, destroys uh, people. I think I think one comparison I saw him was kind of like a Darnell Wright. So, Again, would not be surprised of him going to the Jets at 10 there. Uh, but yeah, I have him kind of falling a couple of spots here to the Saints. Uh, you know, offensive tackle for Morgan State. Kind of, yeah, it's a good darn all right. Uh, but yeah, just gets more protection over there for Derek Carr. Yeah, I 100% agree. I added flip-flopped at J.C. Latham here for for New Orleans. So just, just flip those two tackles and we're good. Um, you know, New Orleans is in a pretty bad spot cap wise. They have the worst cap space in the league. They're about $80 million over. They really can't afford to get cute um, in terms of what they do with their draft. You know, they don't have a lot of flexibility and free agency to go out and fill some needs. And uh, you know, they're starting left tackle right now, maybe leaving in free agency back their backup. Trevor Penning didn't really pan out last year. Um, so in a lot of ways, they've got a draft for need uh, and filling, you know, those, those starting vacancies. So, no, I thought it was really sensible to to go tackle here and uh, and take a guy who who definitely deserves to be in that slot too in uh, in Fuaga. Yeah, for sure. Who do you got? Fifteen Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, so you know our boards may vary, but based on how this draft's gone so far, um, there is a a really top uh, <laughs> pass catcher here on the board. Uh, you know, we're looking at an off season where Michael Pittman. You know, is looking to test the waters in free agency. He said that, um, you know, he's enjoyed his time in, in Indiana, but in the same sense, he's just, you know, he's wanting to see what what's out there for him. I, if I was in his shoes too, why not? Why not see, you know, what the best offers are? Maybe he can pair up with better quarterback. Maybe it's a different environment for him. But I could totally see Michael Pittman leaving in free agency, um, and and even if he does resign, I still think there is a need there to get more. You know, pass catching help for Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, you look at what Josh Downs was able to do this year, kind of a breakout year for him um, coming in as a rookie. Alec Pierce, serviceable as kind of the tertiary wide receiver. But you bring in a guy like tight end Brock Bowers from Georgia. 
uh, man, that could really, you know, change the face of that offense. I mean, I kind of liken it to a Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews pairing. If you were to kind of get Richardson and, and Bowers there together uh, for the Colts, I think um, Shane Steichen would have a ton of fun uh, kind of scheming for a guy like Bowers and making him, you know, kind of his like Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews type. And hey, they may be comfortable letting Pittman walk, knowing they could get a, you know, get their hands on a on Bowers. Now, obviously, that'll happen you know, after the free agency period's over with, but that's a great consolation prize. Yeah, that's a great consolation prize. Like that would be incredible. You know, that that was actually one thing I was kind of looking at too. Was you know we were talking about you know Brock Bowers' destinations. Like he could definitely be either you know going at five to the Chargers, or he could you know fall and and kind of just spiral out of there because there really isn't too much of a need for a playmaking tight end, uh, even as good as Browers, right? Uh, for some of these teams here, so you know, yeah, they could definitely have Brock Bowers falling this far and going to you know probably a great situation like Shane Sykin with Anthony Richardson and Brock Bowers like that's an impeccable that's great you know they always say that the best friend for a mobile quarterback such as an Anthony Richardson is a tight end because uh, you know they get to block they also get to catch so what better type of uh, tight end possible can you possibly get than a Brock Bowers so that is a great draft pick I would say here no doubt. Who do you've got at number 16? Yeah, so number 16, you got the Seattle Seahawks here. Oh, man, you know, there's definitely a, a number of, I guess, ways I can go about this. I am looking at who is on the board right now. And, you know, if Pete Carroll was still around, like, I, I might have gone Terry and Arnold. But, you know, I know there's still a defensive-minded coach still out there. and. You know, this Seattle Seahawks team, I think one thing that they struggled out was their offensive line. They just got demolished, I think, especially the in, in the interior. And there's a certain prospect that I know a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans, because he's more, he's kind of a local. He went to UW uh, guard, or he's going to be a guard, or he's, you know, I think that's where a lot of people are translating for him to be. Troy Fontenew from Washington. I think he kind of makes sense for them. This is a little bit more of a, I guess, a need type of draft pick that we have here. Uh, but, you know, I think from the Seahawks perspective, they get a local, they get somebody that knows Seattle, but at the same time, you know, he is a very talented, uh, I think he was, he was their tackle, but at the same time, he translates to the NFL as a guard. He definitely has the makeup for, you know, potentially a Pro Bowl guard there, so Got Troy Fontenew in that situation. You know, I did think about quarterback a little bit, especially if Michael Penix was going to fall here, uh, you know, as a potential future quarterback. But, you know, the way that the board felt, yeah, I got to take the guard here for the Seahawks. Yeah, no, it's an interesting pick. Um, I had an edge rusher going there that's still on the board. I might have to keep my edge uh, in mind here now as we move down the board, uh, just knowing that he's now available. Uh, without the pick, I know that Leonard Williams is leaving for Seattle, um, potentially. I mean, I think they're working on an extension or trying to get him back in free agency, but who knows? Um, I still think, regardless if they do resign Leonard Williams, they could definitely use some help on the edge as well, um, fortify that defense and give Mike McDonald another you know, fun weapon to play with there in his first year in Seattle. Um, but moving forward, going to Jacksonville, 
Um, on my board, I've got the top cornerback still available. I know you talked about him on your board, but I'm going to take Terry and Arnold here. Um, Jacksonville last year, they gave, you know gave up the seventh most passing yards per game. I think in a lot of ways, they just you know they they've got to get younger. They've got to get you know deeper in the secondary. I think you know looking at C.J. Stroud being that top competitor, you know across the division from them, even Anthony Richardson coming back next year. Um, it'll be nice to have a little bit more, you know, strength there for them. That seems to always have been kind of their liability and they got picked apart, you know, by the Houston Texans at home uh, earlier in the season last year. So, you know, like you're saying, just a guy with great IQ speed, he's very smooth. Um, I just think Arnold is probably the safest pick at cornerback there. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm just going to slot him in there as, uh, you know, the, the cornerback one for for the Jaguars. Yeah, and that that's great value, I feel like. That just makes total sense from their perspective, especially if the way that it goes here. Um, if Terry and Arnold does go, say, to, yeah, the Vikings, like there's obviously a bunch of other cornerbacks that we can definitely talk about, or you know, a lot of them probably will be drafted soon. The Nate Wiggins of the world, Quinion Mitchell, et cetera. So, but yeah, I think Terry and Arnold, if he falls this, falls to the Jaguars, you got to take him and don't question it basically there, so. Um, and then I guess moving on to the Bengals, you know, with the 18th pick here, um, you know, there's some cornerback talent, obviously just talked about some wideouts, potentially, you know, T Higgins, uh, you know, he, a lot of war on the street, he's going to be franchise tag. So maybe not that, maybe not that they really though need to solidify that tackle position. <laughs> I feel like at the right tackle. So, uh, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with uh, Amarius Mims here, offensive tackle for Georgia. You know, big, strong person uh, from, you know, from a great school, SEC in Georgia there. Uh, I definitely think that he can fit right in there, start day one, and hopefully keep Gerald Burrow up. <laughs> up you know, that, that was a big killer in momentum. Like, it felt like the Bengals this previous season, they were making a run similar to kind of what the, the Bills were making uh, in the, later in the season. and then. Jake Browning did a you know did a decent job, but obviously not that Joe Burrow X factor there. So uh, yeah, I think got to invest in the line. Let's finally, <laughs> if I'm the the Bengals, I'm like let's finally solidify this thing. Make sure that we give Joe Burrow enough protection. He plays a full season, and yeah, hopefully you know hit uh, have a long playoff run there. So yeah, Amarius Mims out of Georgia. Yeah, I think that's really smart, uh, especially after Burrow kind of taking hits going down last year, playing injured. Uh, definitely want to keep him as healthy as you possibly can. And uh, yeah, I think they have enough strength um, on the defensive side and even, you know, in, at the wide receiver position. They might have to retool a little bit with, you know, Higgins possibly going, you know, Boyd not resigning. So we'll just have to see. But no, I think that's a pretty smart choice there. Um, at 19, I've got the Los Angeles Rams, um, you know, going into last year, they had one of the worst secondary ratings uh, from PFF, just kind of looking at the entire unit, you know, coming off those the Super Bowl victory, you know, they ended up losing a lot of their talent there. Jalen Ramsey, you know, they've had guys like Aqib Tlaib uh, in the past there, but, you know, really started to thin out. I think last year they fell somewhere in the middle of the pack, um, came on, you know, strong toward the end of the season. But I think for them, it'd be, be just really smart to get, you know, a top of the top of the charts type cornerback. Um, seems like Cooper DeGene would be kind of a perfect fit there. I mean, just 
you know, overall size, his must, you know, his strength. I think that's what sets him apart from most of his peers at the cornerback position. A lot of them are more your coverage, uh, ball hawk, thin, you know, frame type guys. He's just, you know, pure muscle, pure strength. He's very smart and he's a good athlete. They say he's amazing, uh, you know, kind of, you know, going after balls. He's got good ball skills and such. I think the one thing is just his overall quickness, just based on his muscles. So maybe he doesn't have the best turn radius. Uh, when it comes to uh, kind of defending some of the vertical passing and, and things like that. But, you know, he's still graded up toward the top as, uh, you know, one of the best cornerbacks here. He seems like a smart player. Um, seems like Sean McVay would appreciate somebody like him. So I just think that's a smart choice uh, for the Rams. Yeah, I know. He, he fits the mold, I think, for what Sean McVay is looking for. So very hard, tough, physical player. So I think he really would fit in there with the Rams. It makes sense for them uh, going forward for that defense. You know, now without Raheem Morris, it's like, all right, let's see how we can mold this defense a little bit more. So I think Cooper Gene, he can fit in anywhere in any kind of defense there. So makes total sense. And then I guess moving on to the 20th pick, Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock here. So, uh, you know, I was looking throughout their entire roster and Man, their offensive line kind of sucks. I think that's the only way to put it as uh, not too much talent. You know, you know, a lot of young offensive linemen here. So uh, I have to go offensive line, you know, especially you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what quarterback they bring in. But it's hard to protect, you know, even a Super Bowl winning quarterback like a Russell Wilson if you got a really crappy line here. So I'm going to go with, I think, the top ranked offensive tackle here that's left. Tower Guyton out of Oklahoma. I think he's great and much more of like a pass, pass protecting type of tackle. So I think it kind of makes sense for what the Steelers are trying to do. Uh, I think kind of in this range area, there's, you know, we're seeing a lot of more offensive linemen being taken here. So kind of predicting that in the draft that there's going to be a run kind of in this like 15 to 25 range. So, you know, we'll see how things turn out. But yeah, a lot of, you know, teams looking to solidify their offensive lines. So, but yeah, I think with the Steelers, they really, they really need to have a better line. And I think, yeah, again, whichever quarterback that they do bring in needs to be protected. So yeah, got Tower Gun in here going to the Steelers. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I'm also, at least for the Steelers, looking at, you know, potential secondary help. Um, you know, I think I went with a cornerback in this scenario there. Um, I think Tomlin um you know would probably do well in just drafting dbs overall i mean just having that kind of experience so there's a lot of good options there at, at defensive back as well toward the end of the first round but no i think that's i think that's smart especially with uh whatever quarterback they're gonna have under center they're definitely gonna want you know a little bit more protection and uh you know help to you know build holes for jalen warren and uh Najee harris as well yeah and there's a lot of like I'm looking at this draft board right now. There's a lot of talent out there, so this will be incredible how you know potentially this uh, draft board turns out here. So just want to call that out there. But yeah, who do you got at 21 for the Dolphins? Yeah, so for me, um, you know, I think just looking at the board and think kind of how things have shaken up. Um, definitely having a change here and pivoting a little bit, but staying on the same position. I think for Miami, um, you know, looking at what happened last year with Jalen Phillips, Brad, you know, Bradley Chubb, you know, who plays outside linebacker edge type going down. Uh, Christian Wilkins is a free agent. He may not resign. So if I'm Miami, I don't want to take any chances of something like that happening again. 
you know, next year on their route to, you know, a Super Bowl, I think in their eyes. So, you know, give me Leatu Latu. He uh, was supposed to go you know, a little bit further up my board, uh, but, you know, based on how this mock draft went, I think he's just the best player available at edge. I think, you know, everyone's talking about just his moveset, his explosiveness. I mean, he seems to almost like make his, you know, top peers look, you know, almost pedestrian in terms of like their, just their skill set overall. I think a lot of the fears around him are, you know, some of the injury concerns and, and kind of the potential for that. So I think if you're going into the year and you have Jalen Phillips, you know, you got Bradley Chubb back, um, may take a little bit of time with that ACL, but, you know, I think just, just slotting in Latu, taking that chance, um, you know, it would be a smart gamble for a team that's trying to go for it all. Um, if you're just trying to get the best possible player you can. No, yeah, this is great value, I think, for the Dolphins here. So it totally makes sense, I think, for them. Again, if some sort of edge rusher like that, like you mentioned, all the injuries, that really killed and stuff with their playoff uh, chances. Like they were, I think, was it Justin Houston? They pulled him off the couch, basically. And, you know, they definitely don't want to be in that situation. I think getting younger, yeah, getting younger, getting more physical in the front seven totally makes sense for them. And, yeah, having a you know Leatu Latu out there, I think that that could be a, definitely a steal. I think if he falls that far, so. Um, and then man, oh, this is definitely going to be a tough one. Well, maybe maybe not as much actually. Uh, the Eagles on the clock here, twenty second pick. There's a lot of talent that I like here. Uh, you know, some cornerbacks they could, they can definitely use some secondary help. Uh, they're Secondary just got exposed, I think, this previous season, especially at the safety position. Um, some decent safeties, I think, out there that, you know, I think you, you took uh, DeGene, who I was kind of aiming and eyeing on here a little bit. Um, that being said, ah, yeah, I'm going to go Cam Kitchens. I'll go it. I'll go Cam Kitchens here. Uh, Miami, you know, I think solidifies. He's definitely like that ball hawk kind of safety. I mean, safeties Miami like what is this early 2000s basically again uh he definitely fits that mold he's I think he fits he's like the next man up with regards to a you know Ed Reed type or Sean Taylor type I feel like uh safety coming out of Miami so uh very much a playmaker and I think that's kind of fitting what the Eagles really need right now so yeah I'm going to take Cam Cameron Kitchens here yeah, I think that's I think that's smart. I mean, looking at where the Eagles started the year versus where they kind of ended up. I mean, even going back to their Super Bowl year, I mean, that front seven was dangerous. It was deep. Um, the secondary was great with Bradbury um, and Slay a couple of years ago. But, man, it just really tapered off. I mean, Reed Blankenship gave up a lot of tackles, um, kind of kind of, I guess, free plays in, in the secondary from what I had seen. Um, Kevin Byard, they brought over from Tennessee is just kind of like. I mean, these guys should have, you know, played to their potential. They should have been a much better, you know, team overall. I think they ended up being, you know, in the bottom five in terms of passing yards allowed. I think maybe I even saw top two uh, worst team in pass yards allowed. So to kind of fortify that secondary is smart. Um, I went the cornerback route for them um, just based on the talent on the board. But in the same sense, like they, they just need to revamp everything back there and, uh, you know, really bring that defense back to what it was their Super Bowl year. Yeah, for sure. No, 100% agree. Like they definitely underachieved that, especially that defense. So yeah, hopefully providing some, some whatever secondary help uh, makes sense. I think here. But uh, moving on to the 23rd position, Houston Texans are on the clock. Who do you got? 
Yeah. Um, so based on how the board is kind of played its way out, um, I'm going to do a slight pivot here from who I had penciled in um, at uh, 23 for Houston. I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and instead of uh, taking a, a cornerback, I'm going to go uh, with an interior defensive lineman, um, you know, really help them, you know, build that front wall um, up around, you know, Will Anderson. And hopefully if they can sign Jonathan uh, Greenard, you know, back to the team, just continue to build um, that strength up on the front line. Um, I had Jershon Newton going up a little bit higher to the Bengals, uh, at least in my mock, but, you know, have him available there. Um, Honestly, they say he's a great pass rusher, almost plays kind of like an edge type position in the center. You know, he's violent. He's a good tackler. He's just very physical. The only knock on him is his size. I mean, if that's the one thing kind of knocking the guy down, um, you know, I think guys like Aaron Donald have kind of proven like if you're just a dog and you're just, you know, got a nose for the ball, you got that intensity. I mean, that's that should matter first and then worry about the physical traits second. And I just think he's a gamer. Um, coming out of Illinois, I think he would slot in perfectly with Houston. I'm actually glad he fell to me here at 23. Um, just, just really make that team uh, much meaner, um, you know, up front, and uh, you know that really helps guys like Derek Stingley and you know Jalen Peter just kind of like step up their game in the secondary and make their lives easier, and you know, hopefully lead to more more turnover opportunities for them. Yeah, I know, like the pick. I mean, D'Amico Ryans, like he is the uh, defensive mind basically over there. So I think it totally makes sense. Uh, and, you know, I, I think in several mock drafts that I did, I, I did pick Jazan Newton here too. It, de- it definitely feels like he would fall in this draft. Just there's so many, so much talent, I think, in quarterback, wide receiver, the wide receiver position, offensive line too, uh, that it certainly makes a case for him to fall this far. And you usually don't see that for, you know, pretty talented interior defensive linemen. So, but hey, this is a great uh, example. I think there are a lot of uh, these late, late first round playoff teams are going to get some really great talent here in this draft. So, uh, yeah, incredible that someone like Newton kind of just falls there. So, uh, but I guess, yeah, moving on here to uh Dallas Cowboys, man, there's so much talent, and I'm like, I want to take them, but do they make sense for this for the team and where they're at right now? Um, Dallas Cowboys, you know, there's some questions on the offensive line a little bit, but I think there's just enough talent that they'll kind of, I don't want to say overlook it, but yeah, they'll overlook it a little bit. So I think they'll actually go defense here. Uh, I see Byron Murphy from Texas, so a little bit more of a hometown boy. Uh, kind of, you know, see comparisons as like a greedy Jarrett. So I think yeah, they need to solidify more of the interior pressure. They didn't get too much production there. So getting Byron Murphy, I think, really takes their defense to a second level. You know, I was also contemplating wide receiver, but at the same time, I think yeah, there's there's uh, more uh, more of an upgrade I think on the defensive side of the ball that is a little bit more needed there uh, to pair up with obviously Micah Parsons and such. So. Yeah, Byron Murphy, the second defensive tackle out of Texas here. So two DTs in a row. Yeah, I mean, and you sniped my pick. That was going to be my next pick for (laughs) for the Green Bay Packers at 25. So excellent for you to kind of step in there and uh, really put me on my toes. But uh, no, I think this is smart. I For Dallas, I was kind of looking at offensive line as well. Um, I think that... You know, they've got an opening at center, uh, which would make one of the, you know, top prospects on the board pretty interesting. But 
They also have a pretty experienced line around Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. So, um, you know, just thinking of, you know, the best way they can to kind of, you know, take their team to, to another level. I mean, I feel like every year we look at the Cowboys roster and we're kind of, you know, not finding too many holes across the board, but in the same sense, like they always seem to fall, you know, very, very short. So, um, no, I think that's a smart play. And obviously it was the next guy on my board. So um, kudos to you. Um, kind of looking at the Green Bay Packers at 25, you know, I think they do need that, you know, defensive interior help. Um, Byron Murphy would have been perfect for them. But, you know, I think they also um, have needs on the offensive line as well. I mean, they talked a lot about, you know, the tackle position. We don't really know what's going on with David Bakhtiari. Um, I think he's in his last year as well, kind of going into 2024. So, you know, could they look at, you know, some sort of tackle of the future here? Um, I don't see a ton of elite options left on the board, at least in my first round. So, you know, I might pivot here and, you know, to try to, you know, take my center position up uh, a huge notch here. Uh, it was actually the guy I was going to take you know, for Dallas, but I could easily see him slotting on over to the Green Bay Packers in Jack, you know, Jackson Powers Johnson. I think he's a guy who's just continued to rise up the boards. I think, you know, from where we started, he was a second round, you know, uh, prospect there. And I think it's, it's almost a certainty now that he'll, he'll fall somewhere in that, you know, tail end of the first round. I think that, you know, the more protection that Jordan Love can have, uh, you know, guys are on the cheap guys that can kind of grow with love in a lot of ways. It might be, might be wise of them to go out and get, you know, the biggest impact maker, I think, under center and, uh, you know, just just take their chances from there. Gosh, damn it, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, he definitely is a fast riser. He's a lot of Bears fan. Like, this is pretty funny, right? He's a lot of Bears fans, like, top pick. It's like, I've seen so many podcasts or watched so many, or, yeah, watched so many vid- video casts or, or listen to some podcasts saying that they would actually consider taking Jackson Powers Johnson with the ninth overall pick. So getting him, you know, having him fall here to, I guess, the number 25th pick with the Green Bay Packers, that definitely is, you know, uh, a headshot basically to a lot of Bears fans here. So uh, great pick for the Packers. I think I've seen some other mock drafts where he does fall here. So, you know, great value, I think. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, they look at it, it's like, why do you take this offensive, you know, center, you know, maybe slash guard here this you know, in the first round? But everything I've seen and read, like he's like the best one in years, basically. So he's like up there with like the, you know, Tower Winden bombs of the world from Iowa, right? That's uh, that got drafted by the the Ravens there. So great pick, hate it too, uh, from the Packers there. But I guess moving along <laughs> to the twenty sixth pick. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, a lot of there's so, several things up in the air with free agency. I think, right? Obviously, it was Baker Mayfield, but obviously, you know, Mike Evans. He's definitely you know 30 years old now, which is I guess ancient in the wide receiver world. Uh, has been a staple over there for the Buccaneers. Like, do they move on from him? Do they you know get younger at the wide receiver position? They do have. Godwin, Trey Palmer, who they've drafted, uh, Cade Auden, but obviously Mike Evans. Like, there's only so many wide receivers that are up to his capabilities. So, you know, for me, I I went the wideout route. Actually, I I think maybe they do move on. We'll see. I think there's rumors maybe a tag goes on or some sort. But I think it's it's time for them to move on. You know, maybe they 
figure things out with Baker Mayfield a little bit more so, or maybe they do move on from there. But I'm in this situation, I'm going to go wide receiver. I think, yeah, they do move on from, uh, from Mike Evans, just with the talent that's on the board here. I'm going to go with Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, I think he kind of just fits, fits right in with where Mike Evans would be. You know, big, tall, wide, wide out, great catch radius with some speed. Uh, I think him pairing up with, you know, Godwin, like I mentioned before, in that offense, kind of a plug and play, just cheaper, younger. It's the NFL, you know, sorry. It, thanks for the memories again. Thanks for the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. And, you know, he definitely has is positioning himself for a Hall of Fame career. I just think, yeah, now this might be a good time to just move on. You know, we don't know what's happening with Baker Mayfield. So and I think from the, uh, from the, Buccaneers standpoint, I think they could use some youth uh, on the offensive side there with, uh, you know, kind of switching off from Mike Evans to Brian Thomas. So, yeah, that's my pick, the 26th pick uh, from the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I feel like looking at Tampa Bay, they have so many needs. I think where I focus a little bit for them is on on the edge, uh, kind of looking at, you know, the fact that they have Vita Vea, Elijah Cansey there, uh, kind of more or less on the interior. You, know, you can bring over, at least in, in this one, there's a handful of edge options I think are totally worthy of a first-round pick there. Um, but yeah, like you're saying, you lose Evans, that's going to be a huge blow to that offense. I mean, if they bring back Mayfield, he's going to need a guy, you know, along with Godwin that he can truly rely on. I mean, he needs as many weapons as he probably can get, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, absolutely, if they lose Evans, I think, you know, wide receiver becomes an immediate priority. <laughs> Yeah, sounds good. Who do you got uh, for the Cardinals now? Their second pick in the first. Yeah, I'm pivoting yet again here. I see some talent that's kind of falling down the board uh, available to me at 27. I think like Tampa Bay, you know, in, in two different positions, Tampa Bay made the playoffs. Arizona was absolutely terrible, but Arizona has so many needs that, you know, kind of going into this draft, I think they can, they can actually get really creative. They could make, you know, uh, I think a trade down, they could trade up. I mean, they just need so much, you know, depth at so many different positions that, I mean, really they can let the board kind of fall to them and just take the best, best player available, um, honestly. So at 27, um, looking at some of the guys who who didn't fall yet, um, I'm just going to go with the with an edge rusher there um, in Jared Verse. I think, you know, kind of thinking maybe he'd go, you know, somewhere in the early 20s, um, you know, a guy with – you know, just great finesse. He's got a huge, you know, really great move set. Um, he's very physical. I think one knock that they have on him is like his ability to get, you know, toward the inside and make tackles. Sometimes he gets a little bit too aggressive in the pass rush that he lets, you know, uh, tackles slip through his fingers. Uh, he, he lacks a little bit of control, they say in that sense. But, you know, on a team like Arizona, where you've got, you know, a lot of time to develop, a lot of time to kind of learn and, uh, you know, uh, go through some of your, you know, your hiccups there. I think getting a guy who's got the upside that a Jared verse does, um, makes a lot of sense for them. Um, you know, continue to kind of build on that defense. This team also needs a lot of help in the secondary. I mean, their corners are pretty weak and, uh, it sounds like they're going to lose, you know, Buda Baker, uh, to free agency if he doesn't want to go back, uh, to the only team he's ever played for. So, um, could be another ugly year, uh, yet again in Arizona. I mean, grabbing Marvin Harrison toward the top of the board will feel really good to fans and to kind of get the offense established there. But, uh, yeah, at least on the defensive side, why not go out and get a guy you can make, uh, kind of be a cornerstone, I guess, for, for their defense. Yeah. And Jared Verse has quite a range. I feel like 
you know, I know some mock drafts, they have him maybe going to the Bears there at the nine spot. And then, yeah, some other drafts like one we have here, he falls to the 27th pick. So, but, you know, ultra talented player uh, is a difference maker, vocal leader too. Uh, I remember, you know, kind of, I kind of followed the Florida State team a little bit, just I liked what I heard and then saw and really like Jared Verse. And he definitely is that vocal person was like, 220 i think going into college and then now he's like 250 just like packed on muscle over one off season there uh, i think I forget what college he was before, before florida state where he transferred to uh but yeah just packed on a bunch of muscle and uh became kind of a wreaking havoc that he is on the edge rush position just needs to be a little bit more consistent but at the same time this you know late in the first round I think this is a great, uh, great haul. I think for the Cardinals, I don't think they can go wrong necessarily in this draft, right? Like, you know, maybe take like a kicker or something. But yeah, like that's it's really going to be hard for the Cardinals, I think, to mess this up. So yeah, I think that's a great pick there. And I guess moving on to the twenty-eight pick here, uh, we got the Buffalo Bills. You know, I think they need some wideout help. I think Josh Allen. You know, looking at Stephon Diggs, he's only getting older. Gabe Davis. He's been very, very consistent. Um, I know they got Kincaid, and obviously, you know, I like Kilo Shakir, what I, we saw from him at the slot position, but I think they need somebody on the outside more so of. And I'm looking at the draft board, looking at a very talented wideout right here, Keon Coleman from Florida State, who we just mentioned here. Uh, I think he's, you know, big, tall wide receiver, pretty physical. I think he transferred from Michigan State, I believe. Um, you know, ha- has a lot, you know, pretty decent production. I think some people actually had him maybe going higher uh, in the draft. Uh, but, you know, hey, this is just kind of how the things worked out in a very talented wide receiver draft. So, but yeah, he is a playmaker, can make the, you know, can, has a good catch radius. And I think with Josh Allen, like I mentioned before, Stephon Diggs just needs more depth there at the wide up position. And uh, I think yeah, that could be a difference maker here. So yeah, Keon Coleman uh, f- falling here to Florida State or falling here to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no, I think that's smart, um, especially, you know, hearing a lot of the rumors that Diggs, you know, maybe on the move too. I feel like that that pairing we've talked about in the past, like there's some friction going on there in uh, in Buffalo, whether it's with Allen and Diggs or Diggs and the coaching staff or Diggs and just wanting to, you know, find greener grass somewhere. It just seems like he might be a guy on the move. Um, and Josh Allen, one of the best arms in the game. We talked a lot about like his physicality and his ability to run. Um, is also just what it makes him great, but he definitely has one of the best arms in the game. So to kind of pair him up with a guy like Keon Coleman um, would, would make that offense more explosive uh, with or without digs. I, I just, yeah, I'm still curious as to what's going to happen there, but you know, for sure we'll probably, we'll probably find out, you know, maybe by the draft, what's going to happen um, at that position. But regardless, I think going out and getting another receiver, especially with Gabe Davis also walking uh, will be important for Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was either that or cornerback position. A uh, lot of great talent out there. So, uh, but yeah, I feel like, again, this the way that this draft is going to turn out, there's going to be a bunch of steals that playoff teams are going to be getting. And we're going to be like, how do they get that player? So anyway, um, what do you got at 29 for the Detroit Lions there? Yeah, um, I'm going to stay on the same position, but I'm I'm moving to another guy, another another guy that fell down the board. I think you mentioned him, but Clemson cornerback Nate Wiggins uh, going to Detroit. This would be an absolute nightmare for for Bears fans and for 
you know, just, just, I think anyone in the NFC North, I think, you know, having another cornerback was the missing piece for, for the Lions this past year. I mean, toward the playoffs, they were, you know, putting in Vildor, uh, who was kind of let go by the Bears. And that was one of their, you know, main liabilities in the secondary. Um, you know, I think just having a guy like him um, on the rookie contract, you know, he's one of the best uh, cornerbacks that are coming out of this draft. Very high Q, um, polished. He's got, you know, great length, um, you know, really long arms. I think he's, you know, at least the things he could work on is obviously his tackling his physicality. It's one of those guys I was talking about, like a more thin build, uh, you know, type of frame for a cornerback, maybe not as physical as a Cooper DeGene, but you know, everything that I'm looking at as far as his strengths go, it just seems like a guy who's really good at playing man to man, really good in coverage, uh, and just able to kind of knock down passes, uh, due to his length. So, you know, if Detroit can continue to kind of build in that in that secondary of theirs, I don't know if CJ GJ uh, will be back for them. He may, he may come back, he may not. But guys like Kirby Joseph, you know, others, uh, you know, in that on that team really stepped up uh, this past year. But I think they need some more, you know, a listers there uh, to kind of build around, um, you know, great you know front seven of theirs. Yeah, I mean, their their secondary was atrocious. Like that was the big Achilles heel. So. Like I would be surprised if they took anything else besides cornerback or safety there. Um, you know, do you really want Kendall Vildor being your your you know any any cornerback on the field for you? You know, being a playoff team, I don't think so. And that you know there was several plays there that we think we saw in the playoffs where uh, yeah, Vildor was exposed and their lack of secondary depth was just exposed there. So. Definitely need that, and yeah, some great talent here that we're, we're seeing on the board. Nate Wiggins following this this to the Lions, that would be a dream come true for sure. I think for them. And I guess moving on to the number thirtieth pick here, Baltimore Ravens, uh, my AFC team, and I am very excited about kind of how this has fallen here. So, man, you know, Ravens, uh, one of the better seasons that they've had, didn't end up well, but. Uh, there's definitely one position I think that they could upgrade on uh, is cornerback position. They, you know, opposite of Marlon Humphrey, they don't have too much depth there. So I'm going to look at a player that fits exactly the kind of cornerbacks that they tend to like and gravitate towards. Tough, physical, really good in press coverage. Uh, uh, he had a great senior bowl here and really stood out. Quinion Mitchell, cornerback from Toledo. He fits everything that you want from a cornerback uh, for the Ravens. Uh, everything I mentioned before, I think he can learn a lot also too from Marlon Humphrey. And you know, Marlon Humphrey is only going to get older too, so I think just upgrading the cornerback position, getting more talent, getting more depth there, I think makes the most sense. You know, they could go the wide receiver route, but you know, I, honestly, I feel like they're 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 pretty decent over there, especially with Lamar kind of just throwing to, you know throwing to the tight ends a little bit. You know, develop more of a rapport with Likely, etc., and obviously Andrews and. Zay Flowers there, still have Rashawn Bateman, so uh, much more of a need at the cornerback position. But yeah, love Quinion Mitchell for the Ravens. This would be a dream, I think, for Ravens, uh, for the Ravens here, just falling, uh, having a quality quarterback falling to them here. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely rising up boards right now. I mean, from where he kind of started, you know, pre-senior bowl to now, I mean, it almost feels like he's the second cornerback kind of slotted. You know, in there, I've seen like behind Cooper DeGene and some of the rankings I've been, you know, staring at. But uh, 
yeah, no, overall, I think, uh, no, he'd, he'd be a good a good get for them, especially at the end of the first round there. So, you know, Baltimore just getting kind of richer on the defensive side of the ball, uh, for sure. Um, at 31, I'm looking at the San Francisco 49ers, uh, a defense that was really stout all throughout the year. I think there's one thing that I'm looking at. It's kind of a glaring need for them, especially, you know, next year, but also the year after moving forward is the offensive tackle position. Um, Trent Williams right now, 35 years old, um, McKivitz, their other tackle. I mean, really didn't have a great year last year, um, you know, across from Trent Williams. So if there's something that they'll obviously need, it's more and more protection for, you know, Brock Purdy for, you know, Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, obviously setting up that receiving game as well. So kind of looking at the board, um, you know, guys that are available, I, I took Jordan Morgan, um, at this spot out of Arizona, I think, you know, from what I had read, you know, read just a really, you know, strong blocker, really big hands. Um, you know, if there's something that he could, you know, definitely improve upon, it's his pass protection. He's much better in the run. I think, you know, for San Francisco, that's probably a better thing to be, to be good at is just help, help to set up Christian McCaffrey, kind of learn on the job you know, whether or not he's your, uh, you know, blindside tackle moving forward is one thing, you know, maybe you could just be, um, on the other side, but, you know, overall, I think they're going to need to build that depth, especially, you know, making another run toward a Super Bowl this upcoming year. Um, I also looked at some cornerback help for them. I think they could definitely upgrade at that position. And there are, you know, obviously some cornerbacks left on the board in, uh, you know, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Kamari Lassiter that may, you know, be of interest to the 49ers here, but decided to go with the offensive tackle help first. Yeah, no, I, I like that pick. I think that that's probably the pick I would have chosen too. Uh, Jordan. Morgan, you know, he's very physical from everything I've read, can play either tackle position. So I uh, had, had a, was a little bit banged up, I think, in his previous, in his college career, but had all the physical traits and showed a lot of great flashes. And, you know, I, I definitely see him probably going the first round either to here or possibly the Chiefs who I have, you know, coming up uh, with my next pick here. So, um, yeah, I guess with that, Kansas City Chiefs on the clock. Super Bowl champs, uh, you know, I definitely, I think I called it uh, in our preseason picks to have the Niners go against the, the Chiefs here and having the Chiefs win. So uh, very much happy about that, especially my wallet a little bit too with the bets I made there. So very uh, excited to be making this last pick. And, you know, I've, I've seen several mock drafts trying to figure out who the Chiefs ought to be getting here. And I'm really excited about this. that He's fallen here. Um, I don't think it's reach. I think this totally makes sense. I'm going to go with a speedster that can blow off the top. You know, that was like the one thing that the Chiefs, they really struggled with was getting a wide out that kind of had that uh, Tyreek Hill effect, right? Uh, they have, you know, some possession wide receivers here and there. Rasheed Rice he definitely catches things over the middle and helps them out there. Uh, and can catch you know things on the run and, and break it, but they don't have necessarily that wide out that can just go down the field, utilize all of Patrick Mahomes' arm power, arm talent there. Uh, we saw what he was able to do with Tyreek. We saw that pass to McCole Hardman too uh, between the safety and the cornerback. That was a that was a, a tremendous pass that he had. They need he needs more of that. Um, obviously, I think offensive tackle was another position I was looking at. Yeah, Jordan. Morgan falls there. That can definitely be up in the air, but there's no question that they need a wide out. I think from the tackle position, I'm like, maybe they go with Wanya Morris more so of, who's already on their team. 
you know, they've drafted some talent. Maybe they just utilize that draft capital that they've spent past couple of years. Uh, he kind of spelled also Donovan Smith for a couple of games when Smith was injured. So I, I'm pretty feel, feeling pretty confident they go wide out. And yeah, I would be so excited for all the Chiefs fans, all the Taylor Swifties out there getting Troy Franklin from Oregon, just so elite, 6'3", about 190, fits the bill exactly what the Chiefs are falling or what they want, what they need and everything. And I think he can make Andy Reid really happy. And yeah, this this definitely, I think, would help out Patrick Mahomes a lot. And uh, especially as they're thinking about what is life going to look like without Travis Kelsey in the future, you know, one way is just solidifying those wideouts. So yeah, got Troy Franklin out of Oregon here. Yeah, I did too. I had Troy Franklin in my 32 slot there. I mean, a four three five forty for a guy who's six three. I mean, like you're saying, they've been missing that Tyreek Hill type threat. I mean, this guy's even got a little bit more size there to boot. I think going across the field with Rushy Rice going forward would be an awesome pairing. You could say goodbye to Tony, MVS, Hardman, all these washout kind of kind of guys, Justin Watson types. I mean. Maybe have one of those guys stick around just for for the experience, but yeah, it could really help to like refresh that whole core. Uh, I think that is the most important thing for them uh, right now. I mean, obviously, like you're saying, like any any line help on either side of the ball will always be helpful, especially if Chris Jones happens to sign elsewhere in free agency. That'll be a huge need of theirs. But yeah, I think first and foremost, like Patrick is going to need to have another guy you know, he can rely on and really go to because um, this last year, I mean, just watching him regular season was kind of painful, especially for how good, you know, Mahomes is. He definitely needs to, uh, you know, be able to put up the numbers he's capable of every year. Yeah, no, he was kind of like, like he was pulling his punches in a way, it felt like, just because yeah, the, the, the amount of wide receiver talent that was on there, like Watson, right? Like Watson's decent. Like, I'm not going to, like, you're in the NFL, you're playing, right? You're, you're better than the uh, wide out, so. But he's not like uh, uh, it. Definitely feels like it's it's that Tom Brady area where it's he's throwing to who who's this wide receiver? This you know was it Chris Hogan? I, I think was a wide receiver he threw to uh, when he won a Super Bowl. Uh, I think he played played lacrosse at Duke or something. So anyway, uh, yeah, it just seems like he he needs you know that electric talent, and I think Andy Reid's going to know how to use him. You know, they I think they led the league in drops right this previous season so having just more wide receiver talent i think makes sense and yeah if if troy franklin can replicate kind of the success that rasheed rice had then i think that's great i think that sets things sets things uh the chiefs up for success for the future and yeah with like donovan smith and such you know we were talking about chris jones that's that's the big thing uh for them he says he wants to stay i think he made the big a big scene of that in the uh, the parade today that they had to the point that the, his agent was, I don't know if you saw that like, tweet or whatever. He was like, uh, this guy's had way too much to drink or something. Bartender, can you get this guy? Cause you know, he doesn't want to kill his leverage. So uh, yeah, you know, if they can get a deal for him, it might be bye-bye to a Jarius need. Like that could be something to look out for, but at the same time, uh, you know, they're a much better team, obviously, with with uh, Lajarius Snead over there. So they can just keep everybody there. You know, maybe say goodbye to Donovan Smith, move over uh, either Juanios uh, Morris or you know before 
Uh, the season started, I think they were looking at moving Jawan Taylor over to left tackle, but maybe they felt otherwise afterwards, seeing him and talking talking with him about that. Um, so, yeah, just got to figure that out and see how the salary cap folds. But it's going to be a lot of maneuvering, probably a lot of contract restructuring from Patrick Mahomes. But, yeah, you know, we if if they get Troy Franklin, man, do we see a three-peat? I feel like we're going to see a three-peat if we... If if the Chiefs get Patrick or get uh, Troy Franklin over here, so uh, just overall great team I think here, and yeah, what a Super Bowl! Yeah, man. I mean, three peats. <laughs> it's gonna be crazy <laughs> if they happen to pull that off. They'll definitely need a full team around them, uh, healthy and all that. You know, all that else too. So we'll just have to see, man. I don't know, like. That'd be crazy. Uh, it's possible, but definitely would be crazy to to actually see happen. But if there's one guy that I feel most confident in with the ball in his hands, uh, when the, when the big game is on the line, like Patrick Mahomes is like proving really, really quickly that like that goat conversation could turn, you know, starting next year, or the year after, because uh, man, first six years, you know, six AFC title, you know, appearances at the very least. Like at the very least, he's been to six straight AFC title game. So like kudos to him, man. Awesome year uh, for those chiefs. And uh, yeah, we'll just have to see, but you know, that's our, that's our top 32 here going through uh, the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, folks, if you're still with us, uh, subscribe to this page, uh, like, you know, this episode comment as well on anything uh, that you agree with, disagree with. Uh, were there any players that fell off the board that you were interested in or, you know, was there a different choice you may have made uh, somewhere throughout this draft? Like, please let us know in the comment section. Um, I wanted to ask Wayne, um, kind of looking at this first 32, uh, what are some of your takeaways, I guess, uh, ha- after going through it? Uh, was there any guys that slipped off your off your board or, you know, guys you think, uh, you know, we should keep an eye on that, that maybe we didn't talk about? I mean, the, my initial reaction is obviously like, you know, how how will this draft basically change from the quarterbacks positions there? You know, just because we saw so much talent fall, you know, from the 20, 20 to 32, right? We see, uh, you know, Jerzon Newton falling to the Texans here. Uh, Nate Wiggins falling to the, the Lions. Jared Verse, right, falling to the Cardinals. Uh, a lot of that could be impacted, obviously, by... Maybe the Raiders, yeah, they get Russell Wilson or something, so they don't want to get a quarterback there. Uh, things like that can definitely change and shift. So, uh, but yeah, this this definitely is going to be an interesting, I think, draft coming out here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Trying to see uh, who who we might have missed. I think I can't see who who was on the board of my. Uh, you know, I'm in a, a a mock simulator here, just kind of taking notes here, but. I know Graham Barden's one guard. I think that a lot of people are looking at. You know, he is definitely a fringe, like first round, second round type of talent there. So it kind of fits. It fits right in here. Um, I think Kool Aid, Kool Aid from Alabama, that cornerback. Like again, it's it's a pretty talented cornerback draft. So I think you you can get some good talent in the second round. Uh, but yeah, Kool Aid was definitely one name that I had on here as well. Uh, that you know, both of us, I guess, kind of missed here. Just at least that's just how the draft board felt. So um, yeah, those are just a couple I think that I that I saw here. Uh, Xavier Worthy, he, like, he could definitely be you know first round kind of wideout as well. So um, Tyler Newbin, safety, uh, he's 
definitely a first round kind of grade, I think, for a lot of people. It's just, yeah, safeties maybe aren't as needed. Um, and then, you know, maybe Trey Brenson. I know running backs aren't sexy anymore, but he definitely, like, you know, when you watch the tape on him uh, at Florida State, he was arguably the best player. <laughs> you maybe didn't get the ball as much because they just had a lot of talent at wideout, but he was really creating havoc there. So, yeah, just a, just a couple of names out there. But are there any names that you think fell off the board here uh, in this draft? Yeah, I mean, you said Kool-Aid, and then, like, looking at my board, how things kind of shook out, um, you know, Ennis Rakestraw Jr., Kamari Lassiter, two other corners going along with Kool-Aid McKinstry that weren't taking that first round. I mean, what it says to me is there's a lot of cornerback depth at that, you know, at that elite level, that, you know, first two-round level. So it's almost like if you're, you know, a team positioned somewhere in the middle, uh, you know, of the first round, like a Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, you're looking at, you know, filling up the cornerback position or the edge position, you know, maybe you wait. Uh, you don't take Terry and Arnold at 17. You take, you know, uh, Latu Latu or Jared Verse, and then you kind of come back in that second round and hope that, you know, one of those three, McKinstry, Rakestraw, or Lassiter is there, you know, right there for you. So um, I think it gives a lot of optionality to teams that are trying to build, you know, secondaries, uh, which was, you know, pretty interesting to me. And then, you know, Braylon Trice is another name that's come up, you know, for us as being, you know, an edge rusher, uh, you know, somewhere in that first round, early second, uh, didn't happen to go off our board in this one. So again, if you're looking for that edge help, like, you know, you're the Raiders or, uh, you know, another team up in that top, you know, slots of picks like the Atlanta Falcons, like we went with Dallas Turner there, but like, what if you go with, uh, you know, Malik Neighbors instead, fill out that second wide receiver slot of yours and hope that a guy like Trice is available for you or Chop Robinson. So, I mean, there's just some optionality there. I just kind of like making some observations on the fly, but, mm -hmm. you know, as these teams go through it, there might be, you know, some lessons they learn if they do a you know, full mock draft like we just did. Yeah. Like A.D. Mitchell too. Like a lot of people have him, you know, obviously as a first round talent. So that certainly is, you know, yeah, the Bears, right? If we are able to get some more second round picks, you know, apart from Justin Fields, maybe we do trade back on that ninth pick. Maybe somebody does try to, you know, draft a, a Bo Nix or a JJ McCarthy there uh, to jump ahead of, you know, like you mentioned, the Vikings, the Broncos, uh, potentially the 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 Raiders there too. So, you know, if something like that happens and maybe the Bears are able to accumulate more second round draft capital, uh, that could be huge because, you know, this second round is going to be loaded just because, you know, if there's five, six quarterbacks or five or six wide receivers taken. Other positions are pretty talented too. So uh, you, you can load up on those positions. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, especially for the cornerback uh, position that we see here. So just a lot of great talent that's still on the board going to the second round. And yeah, uh, just it's, it just seems like this draft is going to be, like, I think there's been a lot more conversations happening now that you know, next year's quarterback draft is not going to be as, good so there's going to be a lot of teams calling and trying to reach for you know uh a jj mccarthy or bo nicks right i think in that position so definitely interesting I'm going to be interested to see what happens i think in that in in that draft area from yeah potentially nine all the way through you know maybe 14 something like that so just a lot of quarterback needy teams and then we'll see what happens in you know free agency if anybody makes any trades you know, Russell Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, et cetera. So. 
Yeah, yeah. Thinking about where Russell Wilson, you know, will land is important. I mean, obviously, we didn't make any trades through in that first round. It's not that we probably don't think there's going to, I think there's going to be <laughs> a handful of trades in that first yeah. round for sure. Um, but kind of going through it without touching anything, like, okay, I think we did our best to kind of put, put the best guys or the ones that are maybe most needed on those right teams there in that first round. But I think another thing to look at too is, you know, Arizona and Washington both having three picks within the top 40. I mean, we talked about how deep this draft is going to be in those first couple of rounds, especially at like the edge position, wide receivers, et cetera. Like those teams are going to have some pretty fun boards that they walk away with. I think, you know, if Washington goes ahead and takes that quarterback, you know, do they pair up those second round picks to grab a tackle or, you know, could they get, you know, maybe a tackle falls to them somewhere in that, you know, premium second round pick of theirs and they get, you know, mm -hmm. a top, a top build cornerback as well. I mean, it's just like, there's a lot of things yeah. that both of those teams probably will do. that will be a lot of fun to, to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no. And I, I've been seeing some mock drafts too from the commander's standpoint as well. And it's like, you know, they, they can definitely use some line help on both sides of the ball. And in that second round, you mentioned, you know, Braylon Trice, uh, and then, yeah, there's, you know, Barden too. I think we talked about him before. So a lot of talent in the second round that I think, you know, if I'm a Commanders fan, I'd be excited uh, for this draft because yeah, they got two pretty early round, uh, second round picks there. So uh, a lot of potential, I think, for the Commanders to build a really decent squad uh, by not trading back, right? <laughs> I think for them or not trading up to get Caleb uh, Williams. So, yeah. No doubt. Well, uh, any other thoughts surrounding the draft or, or football? Oh, man. I don't know. There's so much, so much here. But I think, the yeah, you know, like I mentioned before, was it Brock Bowers, man? Like, such a range for such a talented tight end that he can just fall, like, that far, fall from, like, a fifth pick to, yeah, potentially, yeah, we have him going 15th here. Uh, I think some draft boards maybe have him going to Seattle even, so... Uh, the exciting one would be if he goes to 18 to the Bengals, right? Like pairing up with uh, Joe Burrow and that team, like that would be exciting. But man, just shows like the variations that this draft can go. And also just shows like the depth of, you know, in the top 15 or top 10, just of wideouts, offensive linemen and quarterback, obviously, right? Just a lot of depth, I think there that just pushes a lot of talent back in the draft. No doubt. No doubt. And we'll see. Yeah. I mean, just like on the other end of that, it's like the Michael Penix possibility of him going 13. I mean, to me, honestly, like it's possible he lands there. Maybe it's not with the Raiders. Maybe there are different types of trades that, that go down here, but just the, the variance that could be for those, you know, three quarterbacks that find their themselves in the middle of our mock draft here. It's like, I could see them going higher than that. I could see them going in the second round at some point. So it's just kind of like, there's going to be a ton of variance, I think, with you know some of these premium positions, and uh, some guys will be left out. Yeah, yeah. If Michael Penix falls to the second round, like that would be interesting. You know, you talk about some of these teams, uh, you know, in the top ten here that maybe need a quarterback. You know, maybe the Falcons, maybe they're able to get him or something like that, or uh, you know, maybe the the Vikings, you know, with their second round pick, I think they might have if they don't take JJ McCarthy. Like things like that could happen and shape out. So it's really just going to be interesting of how the second round, like to me, that's, that's going to be where the money is made. I feel like in that second round there, you know, just all the things that can happen and fall there.
For sure. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, this was a, a really full, you know, detailed analysis here of this uh, this year's upcoming draft. Again, Wayne's going to be there uh, live in Detroit. So if you happen to be there, you know, go go bump into Wayne. Tell him you love Ball and Breakfast podcasts. And uh, he'll sign an autograph and he'll take a picture, you know, with you. He's a really humble guy like that. So don't be don't be afraid um, of his of his star power there. But uh, yeah, if you're, you're still with us here, like, subscribe, uh, review us wherever you may be at. Follow us on Instagram at Ball and Breakfast. And uh, with Wayne, I'm Patrick signing off. Thank you.